Hello and welcome to another episode of the Chaldean Priest Show. This is your host, Father Daniel, with another episode. All right, why don't we get started? So I really don't have much to say about the Padres because, I mean, they've been just losing some terrible games to very terrible teams. And this is not a team that's going to make it to the playoffs from what it looks like. I'm sorry. I don't want to be a pessimist. I'm a big Padres fan, but it's unfortunate, you know, Tatis getting hurt. Um, and I mean, it's just not going their way. So that's that. I'm just going to leave it at that. That's it. So once upon a time, I was in Rome. I took a pilgrimage of young adults to Italy and to the Holy Land. And while I was in Rome, a few of the people on the pilgrimage wanted to go to dinner. So I said, okay, why not? So we went to dinner. They ended up choosing the place. And of course, it was some fancy restaurant that they chose. But I remember we got there. We had to go to the second story. We took an elevator, went to the second story. And Two of the, the guys with me were wearing shorts and very casual clothing. And I was, of course, wearing my cleric and my priestly attire. So we went to go, you know, check in because I think they made reservations or something. And they were just looking at us really awkwardly. And I'm like, okay, what could this possibly be? So they politely told the two friends that were with me that they weren't able to go in because of how, are the, how they were dressed. On the other hand, they said I was perfectly fine, which was pretty amazing. But um, they couldn't go in. The restaurant didn't let them in because they have a certain protocol with uh, how you should be dressed and the requirements of that. And I think they missed that when they were uh, making reservations to the place. But in any case, we had to leave and go find somewhere else to eat. And I'm sure many of you have... May understand that you know some restaurants you have to dress a certain way to actually go in. I really had no idea that they would really deny people uh, access to the restaurant if they were dressed the way uh, according to their requirements. But it got me thinking because during our time in Rome, any church you would go in, into, they would check each and every person at the door to make sure they were dressed modestly. And they had shawls ready for the woman and making sure guys weren't walking in with uh, flip-flops, tank tops, whatever it may be. And it was very strict in almost every single church you go into Rome. That's how it is. So what's the big deal? What's the big deal of a person's attire being associated with a certain place that you're walking into? You know, because at home you're dressed in a certain way. When you go to, for example, a fancy restaurant, like the example I gave you, you have to be dressed in a certain way. When you go to a wedding party, when you go to church, you have to be dressed in a certain way. What's the big deal? And why is it so important to people that you're dressed according to the atmosphere and occasion that you're attending, whatever it may be? So the Basilica hymn for this week, according to the Chaldean liturgy, it brings some light to this topic. So it says this, A dwelling filled with delights was given to Adam, the father of all, but he left it through his weakness. And in the breaking of the commandment, the evil one guided him and handed him 
and his children over to insatiable death. But when the Creator saw that he was corrupted from both realities, he sent his Son and saved him from them. And instead of the inheritance of the tree, he gave him a dwelling in heaven and treaded a path for Adam and his sons from Lo Sheol to the land upon which the angels do not dare to gaze out of fear. For this, let us cry out and say, Glory to your mercies, O Lord of all. So the author of this Basilica hymn is sort of painting a picture for us of these supernatural gifts in theology. They call them preternatural gifts that Adam had prior to the fall. And one of these gifts was integrity, freedom from concupiscence and sort of having disordered desires. And what concupiscence is, is basically an inclination toward um, the lesser good, toward sin and toward some evil desires. Because when we read Genesis and the accounts of creation, we see how after the fall, Adam and Eve notice that they're naked. Because before original sin, everything was good. Everything was fine. There was no sort of perversion between Adam and Eve. It was okay for them to be without clothing because there was no concupiscence, like I mentioned in the beginning, between them. But obviously they fell. They fell into original sin. And what was the immediate response? Well, what do we read in Genesis? So it says this. So this is Genesis 3-7. It says this. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So the immediate response of losing integrity and seeing with the eyes of God is modesty, is covering yourself. And that, that's what they both did, right? We saw that in Genesis. Now, back to the topic for today. So now, when people are dressed immodestly, what's happening? So it's becoming backwards, right? Those leaves that Adam and Eve were using to cover themselves are slowly being taken away. Where it's almost as if we're glorifying the sin of Adam and Eve. When we take away from what God created with integrity and allowing it to be a sort of temptation for the people around us. And this temptation is only one element of the entire picture because the other element is the dignity of the human person. And I just want to make something clear. This does apply to both men and women. And whether you're a man listening to this or a woman listening to this, this applies to you. So we see these two elements, right? We see the element of immodesty causing temptation to other people around us and also causing sin to our souls because we're giving up the integrity and dignity that God created us with before the fall and that we you know, receive at baptism. But what's happening now in society? So now it's a matter of trends coming out and people following these trends and following you know, what other people are doing, how other people are dressing. And 
that's sort of becoming a delusion to a person thinking they have to live up to this certain standard of dress. And if they don't, they're not really fitting in or they're not fulfilling their obligation of being a quote-unquote trendy person. And this is problematic in and of itself because I think this could also cause insecurity to some people who can't fit into certain clothing that's being trendy right now. Or some people who do fit in certain clothing but still think that they're not as beautiful or they're not pulling it off as much as the next person. And it becomes a competition of this trendiness. And what happens during this competition and trying to live uh, according to the standard of society when it comes to dress is that we start to lose ourselves. Because like I said in the beginning, what we expose outside of ourselves reflects what our interior life is like. And if we think we need to express ourselves in our dress and uh, becoming trendy in the way we present ourselves, then there's something wrong in the heart and soul of the person. Because what this is manifesting is another form of insecurity, which shows that I can't express myself in any other way aside from my dress. And I mentioned this in the beginning that we do express ourselves in the way we dress, but now I want to look at the ecclesiastical side of it, what the church thinks of it. So obviously you could probably guess the church preaches modesty. We see this in the catechism. The catechism paragraph 2522 says this, Modesty protects the mystery of persons and their love. It encourages patience and moderation in loving relationships. It requires that the conditions for the definitive giving and commitment of man and woman to one another be fulfilled. Modesty is decency. It inspires one's choice of clothing. It keeps silence or reserve where there is evident risk of unhealthy curiosity. It is discreet. So, the church sees modesty as decency. It sees it as something that's not a limitation on the human person, whether man or woman, but it sees it as a protection or shield of what God created. And when Paul talks about in his letters of women having to cover their heads with veils, this could obviously be very misinterpreted, and I think it has been. Because again, this is, he, Paul is not trying to belittle a woman and saying she has to cover her head um, you know, for whatever reason. The theology behind that is, Paul is saying that a woman should cover her head because a woman represents the glory of man and how God created man with these supernatural gifts. So, you see how Paul is looking at attire and dress of a human person in a theological way. He's not looking at it in any other way. And remember, this is divinely inspired text, and it was carried on for centuries because in the Middle Ages, what showed a woman who was of great dignity and integrity was how much she covered herself. And 
Now we're taking that. So it was a very honorable thing. Now we're taking what was honorable, what was dignified, and what showed integrity to the human person, and completely backtracking to the fall of Adam and Eve and where their eyes were opened to sin. So really what this boils down to is our outlook on what dress is and how it's not only something that could be trendy or something that is quote-unquote cute, but it's something that is pretty serious because sin is serious. And if we cause others to sin, we're damaging our souls. And if we cause ourselves to sin, we're taking away from the glory that God created us to live in. So the second half of this Basilica hymn talks about the remedy for this. So when this Basilica hymn says that the Creator saw that he was corrupted, he being Adam, from both realities, he sent his son and saved him from them. And he goes on to say, He gave him a dwelling place in heaven and treaded a path for Adam and his sons from Lo Sheol to the land upon which the angels do not dare to gaze out of fear. So Christ, through him becoming incarnate, he created this path for us, for Adam and it says his sons, who are us, his descendants. So the remedy is there. The remedy is in Christ and in the teaching of the church. And we're held culpable for what we know and what the church teaches. And then we're obviously left with that decision of what we're going to do about it. So that's my take on modesty, my sort of biblical take on modesty. And I really hope this does bring some clarity to anyone who was uh, confused about this. And some people may say, okay, I don't know if I'm dressing um, immodestly or not. What does it mean to dress modestly? So you can ask someone responsible, maybe your grandma or something, um, because I'm obviously not going to go into that right now, but pray about it and let the eyes of God um, help you to see and help you to understand what it means to dress modestly and to dress in a conservative way and to be more conservative uh, about how we present ourselves. Because again, when we do that, it transforms the soul of the human person. It matures it. It no longer allows us to uh, live in a sort of childish uh, society that we're living in now, because it is childish. Um, because there's always some new trends coming out, and there's always this flock following these new trends. And it's like a never-ending cycle. But it's not too late to get out of it. So, and by the way, if anyone thinks that I'm being um, too strict with this or too extreme, um, I encourage you to study the arguments that I presented 
in this podcast. And if you have any challenges, I'm always up for a challenge. Let me know. You know where to find me, right? Social media. Ask me, you know, because I want this to be as clear as possible. Because I am a Catholic priest, a Chaldean Catholic priest, and I care for your soul. And that's what God called me to. So without further ado, let's head to the lion's den. I just realized that this entire podcast episode, it was one big lion's den segment. Um, But it's okay, because there's obviously other controversial things to talk about, right? No surprise. So the lion's den segment for today is about an article published by the Business Insider with the title, A Look at U.S. Sex Education in Public Schools and Its Impact on LGBTQ Students. It says this, U.S. sex education policies predominantly decided by state governments and has historically supported abstinence-only programs, which can create a hostile environment for LGBTQ students and threaten the health and well-being of young people. So they're claiming that abstaining from sex or any sexual encounters before marriage is harmful to young people. What they're ultimately saying is that living according to our human nature and not being animalistic in our actions is harmful. That we need to have some animalistic sense to us in order for it to not be harmful. That's what they're basically saying. And I think something that sums this up the best is an encyclical written by John Paul, St. John Paul II, in his encyclical uh, Veritati Splendor, gives a central theme to this encyclical that basically says that fulfillment and happiness of the human person has a direct relationship with the truth. In order to have fulfillment as a human person, there must be an element of truth that's directing the person towards uh, certain actions. And the truth is that man was created as a rational person. Man was created with an intellect to be able to distinguish between the good and the bad and to desire the common good. But what this article is saying in the Business Insider is the opposite of this, is that, no, we should shun our nature. We should shun the human intellect and adapt to things that go against the nature of the human person. And if we don't, we're being hostile to the people that we're surrounded by. You can see how backwards this is, right? And I'm actually glad we spoke about this because this basically goes hand in glove with uh, the podcast for today. So that's my episode for today. And I hope you enjoyed it. And if you're still listening, very proud of you. Please don't forget to rate this podcast and uh, put in a comment if you would like. But as always... 
This is your host, Father Daniel, and I'll see you next time.